What's up, tribe? Welcome back to the podcast that brings you closer to the world's biggest risk takers and enemies of the status quo. This podcast is for people who want to take the plunge in life but need a little nudge. I am your host, Coach Darren K. Roberts, and I went from Harvard Law to the NFL by the grace of God and good old-fashioned grit. Today, we are continuing our Go for the Goal series, and we have Christian Taylor, 2016 gold medalist in what? The triple jump. Let's get ready to listen to Christian. First question for you, Christian. Here we go. So, Let's say I walked into your 11th grade English class, pulled you out into the hallway and asked you, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> what would the answer have been? Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, it makes me feel a bit old now because 11th grade <laughs> seems like uh, you know a while away. But uh, I think at that time, I actually believed I was going to be an astronomer. You know, I was <laughs> very into space and I, I've always been a, a science fanatic. And so uh, I believe that I would be doing something, you know, I, I Dreams beyond the stars, but I thought I would be actually studying and, and looking abroad, really. Yeah. Neil deGrasse, some of those folks. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, in my age, it was Bill Nye, the science guy. I don't even know. Is <laughs> yes. that, am I dating yes, myself? Yeah. I mean, that you... was, no, 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 no. I, I still have that also. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you were thinking an astronomer. What did the college application process look like for you? Obviously, I think like many of us could uh, attest to, it was very overwhelming, you know, um, because it was it was a lot of futuristic questions and things, most of them I haven't even thought of at that point, you know. Um, so they were saying, what classes would you be interested in taking? How deep in the field are, are you thinking of going in? Do you have a specific thing in the field? Um, and so obviously I also had the parental influence of, yeah, going to school of business, you know, and, and <laughs> that could give you a, a wider range. But for me, business seems so vague, you know? And so, yeah, it was just at first very overwhelming, but then, yeah, really when I, when I sat down and, and spoke to my mom and, and really just told her how, you know, I, I wasn't sure about a lot. She said, you know, at the end of the day, you have the first two years to, to find yourself. You have the first two years of, of taking the, the gen ed classes and, and really deciding if this is really what you want to go towards. You know, I had a really great advisor, from the beginning. And, you know, as, as soon as I told him my passions, he said, yeah, we can we can start giving you classes towards that, but also take the time to find out who you are and, and if this is truly a passion of yours or if, or if it was just, you know, one of those kind of seasonal things. Yeah. Um, and obviously I found out very quickly that, yeah, I wasn't going to be staring in, into space uh, <laughs> much longer. You know, I think that that encouragement to really find what you felt like your purpose was your passion you know i don't think that's unfortunately i don't think it's too common now i think there's always this there's this push okay everyone you got to come in here we need you to graduate in four years we need you to pick your major in a year two and a lot of times students feel so pressured to get it right and i try to tell them you're gonna get it wrong Right. Like, like yes. you, you are going to get it wrong. I think that the stats are somewhere like 60 percent of people now are doing something or their career, something unrelated to their their major. So right. don't feel like you got to hit the bullseye with your major, but really explore and try to find what you're passionate about. Absolutely. And I think something, yeah, especially the athletes can relate to you know, in life, you're going to fail more than you succeed. Hmm. You know, there's going to be so many roads and so many paths that we try to take for the common goal of winning, uh, the common goal of, of reaching a personal best. But 
along the way, it's, it, it is all about trial and error, you know? And so something I would have believed got me to a national championship, let alone Olympic Games, four years ago would have not got me to the Olympic Games, this, you know, this, this, mm. this prior year. And so it is all about changing with the times and changing within yourself, you know, because my passions four years ago are different than what they are now. But really just being open that, yeah, you, you will fail. Yeah. But it's, it's what can I learn from this and, and how can I move forward? Now, you attended Sandy Creek High School. And right. the reason why I, you know, this, that high school sticks out to me in Georgia is that I coached with the Detroit Lions and that was oh, the alma Calvin. mater of Calvin yeah. Johnson, right? Course, Calvin Johnson. And, Megatron. And, yeah, Megatron. I mean, you know, I've taken a couple of visits to the school. I mean, that school pumps out a lot of, a lot of incredible athletes. You know, sports was something that was big for you in high school. What did being involved in sports really do for you and what was the benefit that it had for you as a as a youngster growing up it kept me busy kept me in shape but one of the biggest things i think and even that i try to pass down now was just the importance of time management and mm. and really that you know my parents again very big in school and i was not able to participate in sports let alone travel if my schoolwork was not taken care of talk about some you know i think about this you don't have to mention any names, but talk about some some guys, some gals who were really talented. And I think about this a lot from just my high school years. Maybe they could have been better athletes than you were, but they failed to make it to the next level. Or maybe they got there, but they didn't. They didn't last. Are there some people? And again, I'm not. You know, we're not talking about no, names, no, but yeah. you look back and you think, man, you know, what, what was it that separated? you and your work ethic and the way that you were able to achieve those athletic dreams and, and dreams a- away from the track with other students yes. that you were around? First and foremost, it's very obvious. I have to give credit to my, my upbringing, my parents. Hmm. I had extremely supportive parents, structured to, to say the least, but really they always said, if I was going to do something, do it a hundred percent, you know, go completely in, but also, you know, having the balance of, of taking care of what's truly important, which was the education. And so having Parental support was huge for me. Um, it kept me from going astray. The upbringing was we all go through through parts where, you know, it's should I do the cool thing, which everyone is doing, or do I give up that party? Do I give up smoking? Do I give up whatever that decision at the time could be that really takes you away from your ultimate goal? And so I think having the upbringing I had played a huge part, which now gives me something to stand on. That was, you know, essentially the foundation that I stand on now that helps me decide from right from wrong. From the easy path, from like I said, I, I mean, now I'm 26 years old, but I can still hear my parents saying, "Yeah, Christian, if you want to excel, there are some parties you have to miss. There are some things that may seem fun at the time, but what is what is my ultimate goal?" You know, and so keeping that in mind and, and really keeping my parents at the back of my head have really kept me in the straight and narrow. Now that sacrifice, talk about those parties that you yes. have to miss, you know, those Cokes and cheeseburgers yeah. and, you know, meals that you have to miss because you have a goal where you are, you're forced to remain. I mean, you have to be in tip top condition to do what you did. We're eventually going to get to the gold medal, but yes. can you talk about just the self-discipline yeah. that it requires to say no to a lot of that stuff that looks and sounds and tastes good? Yeah. Well, it's, it's not for sure. It's not always easy. I don't want to put it so much towards sports because I think these are lessons that people in, in all 
figures of life can use. You know, it's the fact that I mean, it really brings me back to if you want something bad enough, you will do what you what you need to do to make it happen. You know, whether it's a job interview, whether it's no matter what it is, you know, we're all going to have to make a sacrifice at one time. Really, after college, I moved to England and, and now I actually live in Holland, but I had to leave my comfort zone, my comfort area, my family, my friends, everything, because my coach had a job across the seas. And, and for me, that was uncomfortable, you know, but I had mm. to learn that, yeah, sometimes you have to be uncomfortable to get what you want. And like I said, in all aspects of life, we all have to make a sacrifice. And I think at one time, you know, people that are listening to this will understand that if they haven't experienced it themselves, you know, that you will have to ultimately make a decision that isn't always fun. You know, there, there will be long nights, which I'm sure they experience, you know, through studying and, <laughs> and um, being a, a student comes with. But there are times where, yeah, you, you're going to have to give up that party. You're going to have to give up being mindful of, of what you're putting in your body because that could take away from your ultimate goal. Nice. Now, you ran and you jumped at, at Florida. And the question I have for you is, at what point, and maybe this happened earlier, maybe it was back in high school or junior high, at what point did you realize that, that you were pretty damn good? Was there an event or a meet where you said, man, you know, I, I can really, I can be one of the best in the world at this? I guess um, in, in track and field, we have basically world championships per age group. Um, and so we have like world youth championship, world junior championships, and then the senior championships. And when I went to my first world youth championships at, at 17, I, it was my first time getting to compete internationally. And, and I went to the Czech Republic and won my first international competition and having a number world, one world ranking, you know, at that stage, I was pretty proud of. And I said, well, maybe I could have some future with this, especially only starting in track and field three years prior, you know? And so to go from running locally in my county to winning state, uh, to winning region, and then going to the world stage and winning that, I said, there could be something there. And with, again, the support, you know, my parents said, well, if there's something there, we need to get you to the AAUs. We need to get you to club. We need to get you more exposure because this also, Intel can help you get a scholarship to the university. You know, this is something I wasn't even thinking of at the time, but obviously it was very big on my parents because they said, we need to save some money, especially if you're thinking about going out of state, you know, and so we just use that talent. And, and once I got the scholarship and got to Florida, then six months later, after, after fall training, I, I won my first indoor national title. And I said, well, wait, I'm, I'm the best in the nation now on the senior <laughs> level, you know, and, and in the SEC. And that was something I couldn't, you know, I, I didn't even dream of. I thought, yeah, they said it's going to take some time and you start doing weight training. You know, there's so many different changes mentally and physically that through the transition of high school and college that I said, okay, these are guys I watched on TV. These are guys I watched in the Olympics. You know, I'd be happy if I, if I was to be an All-American. But as I said, I, I won indoors, my first nationals, and then went to outdoors and, and, became second. And I said, well, there really could be something here. You know, I, maybe I'm, I'm tapping into something that I, I didn't even know of. And again, that continue, continue, continue. And yeah, it, it really just snowball effect from there. You know, give the, the tribe listeners sort of a visual of the long jump and the triple jump. And I think, you know, some people know and they've seen it, you know, but just kind of talk through. We'd love to hear your description. Okay of how the events feel to you and how they differ. Okay. The long jump, I think this is the first one to hit because I think this is what most people know. I think many people do it elementary, whatever level. It, everyone runs. Um, and yes. so the long <laughs> jump is essentially running and jumping. And many, uh, well, now, again, it's, it's different. The generation is different. But many people knew Carl Lewis, uh, Mike Powell, 
setting that world record, that big rivalry um, in track and field. I just think it was it was an unbelievable performance. But again, this could be an age gap. And so maybe many people don't know it. But thankfully, because of YouTube, many people can can look it up. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's really just a full out sprint down a runway. And then you take off from a wood board and you just jump as far as you can. And it's phenomenal because, yeah, the world record is, is almost 30 feet. So the fact that someone jumped from one point 30 feet you know uh away from that point is unbelievable and maybe people even know the metric system and so it's almost nine meters it's 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 almost yeah. a nine meter jump eight, wow. 895 and so that's that's pretty obviously mind-blowing the triple jump is a little different it's it's <laughs> um you know almost a stepbrother of of the long jump but it's again it's it's a complete sprint down the runway you take off from a board, but at this time you do a hop and you come down on that same foot. And then it's an exchange from that same foot to the opposite foot. And then essentially a long jump phase into the sand. Again, yeah, the tribe listeners, you have to check this out on, on YouTube because <laughs> it's it's pretty it's pretty cool. But yeah, now the world record is 60 feet. So twice <laughs> as long as it's this long jump. And and for me, to hear that someone could jump 60 feet in, in three <laughs> steps, it, it, it seemed unreal. But, you know, now I've actually got the second furthest jump. I'm at 59 feet, nine inches. And wow. even hearing that for myself, I'm like, how is that possible? You know, I was in high school jumping 40 feet, you know, and, and to see myself really almost almost 20 feet further, it, it blows my mind, you know. And so, yeah, it's, it's something I would definitely tell these tribe listeners to look up. You know, and I, I'm going to work a little math for them because we may have some of them out there who, who aren't great at the math. You think about 60 feet, that's 20 yards. Yes. I mean, that's, I, I always think about a football field as an old coach. And so someone essentially jumping from the 50, okay, down to the 30. I mean, that's just, yes. <laughs> I, yeah. you think about that kind of real estate, that's insane. And, well, one, and oh, go one ahead. cool yeah. thing is if you even see, Many people can relate to this. The semi trucks that go by, you will always see 57, 58. That oh, is the, yeah. the size of, yeah, the semi truck from the back to the front. And, <laughs> and passing there, yeah, it actually excites me because I see 57. I say, well, actually, I can jump farther than that, you know? And so that kind of puts in perspective, yeah, really how. How far it is. If if you look at now, anyone listening, when they're when they're driving on the highway, look at the side of the truck and you will see, you know, 57, 58, 59. Well, that's that's how far we're jumping. Wow. 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 Take us to 2012. I want to go to London. Yes. And uh, so 2012, we're in London. Can you walk us through? That's your first Olympic experience. Correct. What was the preparation like? And I want you to give us take us behind the scenes from diet to sort of your daily regimen and, and gearing up for that big event. What were some of the things that you did on a daily basis to prepare yourself for that first Olympic adventure? Okay. Um, yeah, I was 22 at this time. This was now my first professional season. I left school in 2011. And so 2012 was my first professional season. I was already a world champ. And so that gave me a little confidence. But yeah, there's something very different about the Olympic Games. And so from January of 2012... And the Olympics were in August. From the commercials on NBC, from the pressures of my coach, from pressures from my sponsor, I mean, it was a completely different ballpark, you know. And so mentally, I think was actually a bigger battle than it was physically, you know, and, and not psyching myself out and, and still having that confidence that at the end of the day, it was another competition. 
But mm. I, I had an internal battle that, yeah, it actually truly wasn't. You know, this was the greatest competition. This was for track and field, uh, for many sports. This is our Super Bowl. This is our world champion. You know, this is this is our big finale, the Olympic Games. This is something that is recognized all over the world. This is something that will be televised all over the world. And <laughs> and I may have the opportunity to make a team, let alone make a final and let alone become a medalist. And so these were in constant play, in constant cycle through my brain. And I began my training in October. And when I tell you mentally, October, I was already thinking if I was going to have a celebratory dance, you know, this is a battle <laughs> I had between myself and, and my coach said, I'm glad that you're confident, but we have a long way to go. You know, this is not easy. This is, you're going to be competing against people that really, this is going to be a make or break season for them. Many contracts are signed and many contracts are ended, you know, at hmm. the games because, you know, you be, there's an age factor and there's, there's a point where people are trying to, to re-sign deals. There are, there are points where people are trying, you know, there's so many things that when you come behind the scenes, it, it was so draining. And, and so every day I had a constant reminder that it's just another day of training. The goal was still the same. How do I train? to be the hardest worker and what is going to put me in the best position to be the best in the world. And so I started taking into account everything. And, and we're talking about diet. I mean, I started really over hydrating. It came to a point where I was drinking, you know, gallon, gallons. And, and my coach said, this is not how you would normally, you normally didn't drink so much. So why are you changing things now? You know, so it was really important to stay to who I was, stay to the, the things that my body was used to and just being mindful of, of the sleep I was getting because I was constantly, it truly amazed me that being mentally tired actually took a greater toll than being physically tired. So hmm. I would constantly be thinking, 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 dreaming, visualizing that moment. You know, when, when I speak of that moment, it's being in that Olympic final, hearing 60,000 people roaring and going for this gold medal. But like I said, I was thinking about that day in and day out and we would go to a training that, yeah, the year before would would be a, a walk in the park. But, you know, I would find myself just so fatigued and and struggling to get through. The, and this is where the point my coach said, look, we have to take a break. We have to find a way. If we can't get to November, how do you expect us to get to August of next year? You know, and so I am very thankful that I had a coach that that looked at more than just the athlete, but looked at me, you know, as a person. And and yeah, it, it was really phenomenal to see. I've, I've been nervous. I've been, you know, out of my element a little bit, but I was always able to bring myself back. But I knew that this was my greatest moment. You know, this was an opportunity of making something I've only dreamed of. You know, as soon as I came in track and field, my parents said, well, if you're going to go in, you're going to go in 100 percent. What is the goal you're trying to say? I want I want to be an Olympian. I want to go to the Olympic Games and maybe God willing, have an opportunity to come out with a medal. You know, and so this was my moment of now everything coming together. Hey, Tribe, thanks for listening to part one. Be sure to tune in next week for part two. And you know what I'm about to say. Keep saying yes. Yes.